coming close to the end of the Ten Commandments, so I hope you kids have been memorizing your commandments using your signs. Um, Today we're learning the Eighth Commandment. So remember, God gave us these good laws to show us his way of how um, we should love him and love others better. God's rules for life, um, they help us to love him and others the right way. So first, we're going to go ahead and say a little prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we spend together during children's time. Thank you for the lessons that you're teaching us along the way so that we can learn that your special rules help everyone, young and old alike. Please open our hearts and our minds to this lesson about working hard and giving generously. We are thankful for your rules for life and that you are the one and only God and that there is none other higher than you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week's memory verse is um, from Exodus 2015. Um, So we've been learning about the Ten Commandments for a little while now. Uh, We have learned that God gave us these commandments to live um, safe and healthy, um, sorry, safe and happy lives with him and with our neighbors. The first four commandments, they help us to know how to love God. Um, The last six commandments, they help us get along with our neighbors. This commandment is one that everyone, whether they obey God or not, can agree on everything. So if you can explain what stealing is, what would you say? I would say stealing is taking something that doesn't belong to you without permission and without paying for it. Now, of course, you know that stealing is wrong, right? That's why God tells us not to do it. So today we're going to talk about why it's wrong to steal and what we ought to do instead. So why do you think God commands us not to steal? Well, when we take something that that belongs to someone else, that shows that we don't care about that person very much. So if you think about it, how would you feel if somebody stole your favorite toy? You would be pretty upset, right? When you steal, it hurts the person you steal from. When you do something to hurt others, you're not being kind and loving like Jesus wants you to. So the command to not steal is a command to protect not only people's stuff, but people's hearts from being hurt. So it's a command to respect and care for others. Now, it seems pretty straightforward not to take things that belong to other people, but there's more to stealing than that. Usually when people think of stealing, they think of a bad guy robbing a bank. Um, If you think about it, there are many ways to break this commandment, and bank robbing is one way. And there are some other ways. uh, Well, actually, what are some other ways you think that you break this commandment? Stealing a toy from a friend's house. Playing with a sibling's favorite toy without their permission. Taking money from mom's purse. Taking a candy bar from the grocery store without permission. Or taking someone's snack at school. So those are good examples of stealing. Now that we've covered some basics, let's think about more about what stealing really means. So did you know that you can actually steal time? When you think about it, when you're supposed to be doing your homework... If you mess around and complain and you play instead, you're stealing time from your family. You ought to get your homework done right away so that you have more time to play. The same thing goes for your chores, too. So adults uh, can steal from their bosses by not working when they're supposed to or by working on things um, other than their job where they should be working. You can also steal someone's reputation. Your reputation is what people think about you. So when you gossip or you say mean or untrue things about somebody, 
it hurts the way others may think about them. So it steals away the good thoughts that, that they have about them. So you can also steal ideas. So let's say you're writing a research paper for school and you come across a paragraph um, in a book or an outline that sounds really good and would make sense in your paper. If you write out the paragraph without saying where you found it, if you just make it seem like you wrote it, then you're stealing someone else's ideas. Imagine that you were playing with your friends during recess and your best friend comes up with an idea for a new game. So your best friend tells you and you tell the whole group that you pretend that it was my idea. That would be stealing your friend's idea. You could even steal from God. Malachi 3.8 says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we rob- robbing you? In tithes and offerings. So we rob God when we do not give him our tithes and offerings like he asks us to. The money that you and your parents bring to the church, it's used to help people for the, help people in need. So when we don't, don't tithe, our church won't have the money to help people to help them buy food and other things that they need. When we choose to keep all of the good things for ourselves, our, ourselves, instead of giving it to God, it's like telling God we don't trust him to take care of us. So we have to keep everything to ourselves and what he gives us isn't enough. So now that's just silly, right? Because we know God is a provider of everything. So let's find out a little bit more about what God says about that. Philippians 4.19 says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God gives us everything that we need. Psalm 34, 9 through 10 says, Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all that they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. When you trust God, you can know that he'll take care of you and give you everything that you need. Stealing shows that you don't trust God to take care of you and that you don't care for the people that he created. So now we know that stealing is wrong. We don't want to take things that don't belong to us. The Bible tells us what we can do instead of stealing. So let's look at Ephesians 4:28. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Acts 20:35 says, "And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive." From these two verses, we learn that working hard And giving generously is so much better than stealing. So when you're focused on sharing and giving and working hard, you won't even be tempted to dishonor God by stealing. All right, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today's lesson about stealing. I hope that this lesson, during this lesson, we have learned that stealing is wrong and that it hurts people. We ask you to help us to see that giving is better than receiving. Help us to love people more like you do. Please watch over us, our moms, our dads, and our families during this time. Please keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. And so now is our, um, we'll sign our verses. So we're going to learn verse number eight.
So we're going to go ahead and review number one through seven. So we're number one is commandment number one. There are no other gods except for me. Number two, do not make for yourself an idol. Number three, do not take the Lord's name in vain. And number four is to um, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And number five is honor your father and your mother. And number six is do not murder. And number seven is mom and dad stay together here. Do not commit adultery. And number eight, uh, we're going to take our three fingers here and we're going to pretend like we're stealing it. Do not steal. Okay? All right, so just keep practicing your verses and you'll be an expert yet. In your packets this week, you're going to find two items, um, actually two craft items that you're going to put together. The first one is a tithe envelope. So you're going to receive a piece of paper to cut out a little tithe envelope, and it will look like this. You get to color it. um, You'll get to glue it. And inside, you'll be able to put money or whatever you'd like in there. Um, And it'll help remind, actually it has the verse on there for Ephesians 4.28 also. This will help remind you that we're doing God's will when we work hard and give generously and don't steal. Um, You can use this envelope to save money that you earn through maybe some chores or some odd jobs. And you can give this to the church as an offering. The second, because I know how uh, kids love stickers, um, we have a cool Ten Commandment sticker scene. You're going to get one of these sheets, and you're also going to get a bunch of stickers to put on there. You'll see Jason's handiwork here with all the stickers. So uh, other activities in your packet will include a word search with the lesson's keywords and the Eighth Commandment coloring page. Um, Have fun learning your verses. And to keep getting close to Jesus every day, remember to wear your watch that we made to help you make time for Jesus. And don't forget that God is the creator of everything, that there's no other God but him. All other gods are just made up by people. So no matter how old we are, we must put God first in our lives. He is more important than anyone and anything in our lives. He loves us deeply, and, and so we should love him with all of our hearts. He, want, he loves you, and he wants you to keep his good laws. So we'll see you next week um, as we move on to the next commandment. Thank you. I think, I, I don't know, is this Nazarene curriculum? I'm not, I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot, but I'm just thinking about the, uh, remember the Sabbath day. It looked like Nazarene nap, that's why. That's what I thought of. You know, I, we, I could probably just dismiss you guys and send you home now. And they so so overlap. In fact, there's some things in that that I hadn't thought of in mine, and I'm kind of jealous. But that 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 yeah, those are so well done. Thank you. Uh, well, 
Before I start today, uh, I'm going to share, well, I guess I need to start, never mind. As I start today, there's a psalm that um, I just love, and it's one that we used to share with our daughter. It's Psalm 19, and it speaks about God's law. And it says this, Law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, and you can wise and simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from by them You know, um, there is blessing in honoring God by keeping His commandments. The Scripture tells us God honors those who honor Him. We used to tell our daughters, if nothing else, keeping God's law saves you from the consequences of disobedience. That's a blessing in itself. Look around at the world we live in and how people are dealing with the consequences to the disobedience of God's law in their lives. They may not recognize or acknowledge that as such, but we see it everywhere, don't we? Well, that's no more true than with the Ten, with, than with the Ten Commandments. Amen? Uh, they're still just as meaningful and appropriate and need to be lived by today as they were the, the day that Moses brought them down off the mountain on stone tablets. There's a story um, about a market in California where a little boy was standing in front of a fruit stand cramming grapes into his mouth as fast as he could. His mother was nowhere in sight. And there was a clerk standing by, helplessly looking on, not knowing what to do with this little fellow as he pigged out on grapes. After a while, his mother appeared and saw what was happening. Unfortunately, the only thing she had to say was, Johnny, don't eat so fast. Unfortunately, I think that's somewhat reflective of the society we live in. We've apparently forgotten the basic rule of honesty expressed in Exodus 20.15, the Eighth Commandment. And that commandment is this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15 says, You shall not steal. Pretty short and sweet and to the point, isn't it? Anytime, uh, and thank you, Pam, for your definitions. Anytime we take something that belongs to someone else or withhold that which rightly belongs to someone else, we have transgressed this commandment. And I, as, as we move forward this morning, I want to lay this commandment alongside a companion verse from the New Testament. You made reference to this as well. Ephesians 4.28 Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. This really kind of fleshes out the Eighth Commandment. There's three major points in this verse 
from the New Testament. The first one, he who has been stealing must steal no longer. Integrity, honesty. That's what it's calling for. That's what the commandment is telling us. The second thing, but must work doing something useful with his own hands. Industry. If you want something, work for it. And then that he may have something to share with those in need. Generosity. God loves it when we're generous. God is generous with us. So that really fleshes out this commandment in integrity or honesty, industry, and generosity. It expresses the fullness of this commandment. And we've always, I've talked in past weeks, the positive side of this commandment, the opposite of taking what is not yours is giving away what is yours, right? And why, is imp- why is it important for us in the church as Christians to visit this command? Well, two authors, both Christians, did their own sampling of the populace and built their own embarrassing case based on hard evidence. According to their book, Keeping Your Ethical Edge Sharp, Doug Sherman and William Hendricks concluded that, and I quote, the general ethical conduct of Christians varies only slightly from non-Christians, and then they say, with some grand exceptions, of course. Believers, they said, are almost as likely as unbelievers to do such things as falsify their income taxes, steal from the workplace, and selectively obey the law. This is an example of how the standards of the world have invaded the beliefs and actions of the Christian community. Stealing has become a matter of what or how much or depending on the circumstances. Did you hear that? Stealing has become a matter of what or how much or depending on the circumstances. The line between right and wrong in this matter is is either constantly moving or fuzzy. Yet, the Eighth Commandment is crystal clear and straightforward. Here's a, here's a story that I found. It's from Guideposts a number of years ago, but it's about uh, someone who understood what this commandment really means. The author writes, I stood on the front porch thumbing through the letters I'd just taken from the mailbox. Suddenly my attention was drawn away from the mail by a polite greeting of good morning sounding at my back. When I turned, I saw a neatly dressed young woman and a little boy about seven years old standing on the walk. Go ahead, Wayne, the woman said. She spoke gently but firmly to the boy with the downcast head. The little fellow looked up slowly took a few hesitant steps forward and handed me a small sack of pecans, or pecans, if that's what you call them. Tell her, son, the mother mother nudged him slightly. When I was coming home from school yesterday, I picked the pecans off your tree without asking you. I'm sorry. The boy spoke in almost a whisper. I started to say, that's all right. We let children passing by pick up the pecans all the time because we have lots of other pecans on our farm. But before I could begin, the mother hastened to say, 
Wayne brought you the pecans back because he should have walked right on by your pecan tree. For the Bible says, walk honestly. So it seemed seemed the proper thing for me to say was nothing more than thank you. As they left, I went back to the house thinking, I don't remember reading in the Bible to walk honestly. So I hurried to look in our Bible concordance, and lo, there it was. Paul writing in Romans 13, 13, let us walk honestly. Serendipity, she said. I learned more than one lesson that fall morning. Now, what would be your response to this story? Small sack of pecans? That's pretty petty stuff. I mean, it was only pecans. Is that how we would view this story? That's the temptation, isn't it? But this story is right on. Any of you parents who have had to take maybe a child back to the grocery store or candy store or maybe were taken back yourself, you understand what happened. kind of a sad statement. I mean, we laugh, but it's... They got a pile of cardboard boxes, newspapers, stickers that read factory sealed, and a roll of bubble wrap and a stack of stolen shopping bags from Macy's. They stuffed each box with some bricks and newspapers until it weighed the right amount, then wrapped everything in bubble wrap and affixed the stickers. As the evening rush hour traffic backed up at the Holland Tunnel, the con artists started wandering the curb, carrying the bogus boxes inside the the Macy's shopping bags. When they spotted a potential buyer stranded in traffic, they walked up to the car window and started fast-talking a cash deal. Hey, man, I got a a Sony video cam here. Just took it off a FedEx truck. He lifts the box out of the bag saying, Macy sells them for $999. Then jerking his head around nervously, he says, I'll take 90 bucks in cash. The car starts to edge forward and the other drivers start yelling. The thief delivers his final pitch. Okay, man, I'll let you have it for 45 Take it or leave it. And the driver takes it knowing it's hot merchandise. When asked how he feels to rip people off, selling them empty boxes, one of the men said, Hey man, I'm not beating an honest man. No one buys hot unless they've got larceny in their heart. And Rogers says, I must admit the guy's got a point. The fellow who grabbed the box and sped off into the night was just a kid who could on the street. And along with that, his money gave party approval to the one who ripped him off. As a matter of 
the heart. Matthew 6 and 20 say this, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. By the way, there's a few commandments covered right in that verse, aren't there? These are what defile. So, here's how theft in the heart manifests itself. And again, we're going to have some overlap here, Pam. There are obvious things we can think of. Armed robbery, burglary, fraud, and others we might think of as lesser forms of theft, like shopping and by the way, we may not understand what lesser forms of theft, the impact that they actually have on our economy. Shoplifting costs retailers in our country about $13 billion a year. Now, shoplifting is often just a matter of Cause them to increase prices and pass them on to everybody else. Workplace theft. According to Statistic Brain, employee theft accounts for over 42% of U.S. store inventory loss each year. The employees in the stores boost stuff from the store and take it home. It also leads to 33% of U.S. bankruptcy. So employee theft causes businesses to go under. On average, theft by employees costs businesses $50 billion yearly. You can understand how these forms of theft would take place in a world where greed covetousness, and entitlement to that. But they should not take place in the life of someone who is trying to follow. What do you do when you're given incorrection? Half-hearted work is also stealing. A man was applying for a job. He asked a prospective employer, how much will you pay me? The employer replied, I'll pay you what you're worth. Nothing doing, the man replied. (laughs) I just quit a job making more than that. This issue cuts both ways, too. If you're an employer and don't pay your employers what they're worth, you have stolen from them as well. James 5, 4 says, Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. And a form of stealing that we don't often think about is withholding love. Withholding love, devotion, or affection from those to whom it is due causes us to break this commandment. That's specifically addressed in the marriage relationship by Paul as he writes to the New Testament churches. 
In 1 Corinthians 7, 5, he says, Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. And he says, But after that, come together again. And then in Ephesians 5.25, he writes, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And we are commanded not to withhold brotherly love. In Romans 13.8, Paul writes, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. We owe others love. And whenever we steal in any of these ways that I just talked about, we steal ourselves. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 24 and 25, it says this, They do not say to themselves, Let us fear the Lord our God, who gives autumn and spring rains in season, who assures us, of the regular weeks of harvest. Your wrongdoings have kept these away. Your sins have deprived you of good. Consequences to disobedience. See, in seeking to steal from others, we are the one who loses because God cannot bless sin. And again, in relationship to what we heard a little earlier, the worst kind of thievery is stealing from God. And we steal from God in two ways. Malachi 3.8 Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? God's response in tithes and offerings. So that's the first way we can rob God. We can withhold the tithes and offerings. I read a, a story that uh, John Maxwell told a number of years ago. Um, he was in his, a, a man, let, we'll call him John, came to John Maxwell. No, that's John Maxwell. We'll call him Bob. Bob comes into John Maxwell's office, and he's, he's upset about the, dis, the decision that the church has made. And he tells John Maxwell, I'm going to withhold my tithes and offerings because of that, and they, they, they engage in discussion for a while about this issue. And then John Maxwell finally said, well, Bob, can I pray for you? And Bob said, you know, before you go, Bob said yes. And John Maxwell bows in his head and says, dear Jesus, Bob has decided to rob you. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and John Maxwell said and took him to the scripture and said, that's exactly what you're doing when you determine to withhold your tithes and offerings. And folks, name one thing that belongs to you. In case you're not sure how to answer that, here are a couple of verses that will help you. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. There you go. All belongs to God. Acts 17:24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. There you go. It all belongs to Him. 
statistic I read a number of years ago says this. If everyone tithed at the biblical level of 10%, the church would never have to ask for an additional 10 We'd never have to take special offerings for anything. So we steal from God by withholding the tithes and offerings. We also steal from God when we withhold ourselves. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. God owns us twice, folks, by creation and by the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. And when we walk on God's earth and breathe His air and use His resources and enjoy His blessings and live the life He gave us without giving that life back to Him in devotion, we are stealing from God. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act. That's what we're called to do. We can steal from God by giving Him only part of what He is due. We may hold some things back. Time, money, talent, availability, job, family. We owe it all. And if we don't give it all to God, we are robbing We're breaking the eight commandments. The world says... Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. I remember hearing that when I was a kid. Jesus says, keepers, weepers, losers, finders. You get that? Jesus says, keepers, weepers, losers, finders. Let me, let me share uh, from Mark and Matthew. Mark 8.35, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Here's how Matthew states that in 16.25. For whoever wants to save, save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Amen. And you know what kind of life you'll find? Life that's truly life. That's the kind of life that Jesus gives. We don't need to steal anything from anybody. God is our provider. We depend on Him. And to steal in any way is to say, well, God can't do what He's promised He would do. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your rules for right living. And for this basic rule of honesty. And help us to understand that it's bigger than just you know, pocketing something from the store or taking my car or we're got it. It covers a lot more territory. It's about how we treat others. It's about our willingness to love others as you commanded us we should. It's about our relationship with you and are we giving back to you what is deservedly yours? 
Are we giving ourselves back to the Lord as living sacrifices? Help us, Lord God, to be, to be keepers of Your commandments because the Scripture tells us in doing so, there is great reward. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.